Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit c3swwa.com. Thank you, Pastor Steve. And it's just an honor to be here today. My name is Pastor Seth Brooks. As you can tell from my accent, I'm from a little south of South Salem. For those of you who've never heard me speak before, and uh, Perth, Australia is on the Indian Ocean, the other side of Australia. We've been here in the Pacific Northwest since 2013. And what a journey it's been. We launched the church there in northeast Portland, Uh uh, in the Concordia area of northeast Portland, some uh, probably now three and a half years ago, and what an adventure it's been. I just want to say from the very outset, this church means more to us than you'll ever know. Um, this church is uh, for us people who've stepped in. Man, your church has come and, and joined us in serving our community. Your church has been generous in giving to our church, and I just want to thank Pastor Steve and Rowena for their brave leadership and friendship in this season. Your pastors have courage. Your pastors have high integrity your pastors are consistent through through whatever the day may bring and uh, for us they you guys mean more to us than you'll ever know and we're just so blessed by you and so it's just an honor to be here today I am the father uh, I am the husband of one wife uh, the father of two children. My wife actually was the person who had the joy and the pleasure of speaking last week. People always like me more after they meet my wife. They're like, oh, he must be okay. She married him. So from that, uh, I'm glad I'm second. I'm glad I get to speak second today. It's a real cool. I'm getting to know more and more of you as I, you know, I, I love to push in around this church. There's something on you guys. There's something on you guys that's bold, audacious. There's something on you guys that just won't settle and that, that wants to reach in God for everything that he has for your community and I just love pushing in to this church there's something on you that you know anointing comes with association sometimes I just like to slipstream behind where God is is doing something I don't know if you've noticed God is doing something in this church man you guys don't even have a building other than like this garage to meet in I mean how do you make a garage look this good I mean how do you do it I don't know how you do that but man, you guys are rocking it and I just can't wait to get a property in your hands that God is going to, it's its awesome, very cool. You know, and it's such a joy to be here during the, the family series that you guys are doing also, that's really cool. Earthly families are a natural picture of a greater heavenly reality, of a relational dynamic and vibe that exists in heaven. Um, it's been said that we are humans having a spiritual experience, but actually the opposite is true. We're actually spiritual beings having an earthly experience. Did you know that? We're, that that's us. Um, the God of the universe could go by many names. Man, it's something maybe that really speaks to his grandeur and how big he is and the fact that he holds the entire universe, like just like effortlessly. He, he does it in, in his hand and yet but God rather... And, and you'll find through the scriptures that God, that, that God introduces himself using relational language, that of Father, so that our all-powerful, all-knowing, omnipresent God, um, he lets us know that he wants to be close to us, that he, he wants to, to be relational with us. He embraces us. And so God introduces himself, not just merely in these ethereal, you know, statements of the reality of him, himself, but also in additionally, in very relational language. 
And so one of the most powerful prayers ever prayed. Who likes a good, powerful prayer? Well, Jesus prayed one the night before he was crucified. He prayed this prayer. And so I was reading this prayer and I got excited because it's a powerful prayer and it means something to me and it means something to you. This is the prayer in John chapter 17, verse 20. John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus is praying and he's about to go back to his father in heaven in a while and he's about to be crucified. He prays a prayer. Man, he, he, gets, he really gets down to it here. And he says, I do not pray for these alone, speaking of his disciples, but also for those who will believe me through their word. That's you and me. He's praying for you and me. Jesus prayed for you and me the night before he was crucified, that they may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And in this scripture, here's why I get excited. It makes it clear the fathering that Jesus enjoys with his father, the fathering that Jesus enjoys with his father, we're invited into. We're invited into that. We're invited not just to the edge like, you know, like the distant cousin with, you know, three nipples and, you know, looks a bit weird, like the, that cousin you got on the edge. No, no we're, we're invited like right into the middle, into the middle of the relationship. We're invited to approach God as Father. The Trinity of the Godhead are distinctly conspicuous in their use of relational language. The Father is the Father of the Son. And the Son is the Son of the Father. And the Spirit is the Spirit of the Father and the Son. And they, they use this language to describe their relationship one with each other. Why do they do that? Because God is so relational because of what they enjoy. And, and the Spirit of God, it was Augustine, one of the early patristic fathers in the centuries immediately after Christ, who reasoned, if God is love and the Spirit of God is that which fills God, then the Spirit of God is the Spirit of love. And He's the one that, you know, when the... And, 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 and if, the, if the Holy Spirit issues from the Father, the Father is the originator. It's from the Father that love comes, that love originates. And that love comes towards us through the Son. And, and if we get to enjoy that, we're embraced within that. You see, God's love is not an earthly love. It originates somewhere that's not of earth. It's one thing to be able to emulate and to be able to do what we're naturally designed to in communication of earthly love. But I want to tell you the love that we are hooked into, that we, that we tap into, that we're hooked up to is not just an earthly love, it's a heavenly love. And it comes from God the Father. It issues from God the Father. Man, and, and, and the Ruah of God, the Spirit of God, the Spirit of love, love flows from the Father to us and we are caught up and in it in a way that we can never be separated from. We are invited, not to the edge, but within the embrace of God. And so heavenly uh, reality, but our families, guess what? They are a physical manifestation of a heavenly reality. They're called to be a picture, to be an illustration of God's incredible love. And we're invited within that relational oneness of God. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. Again, most of you would know this scripture, but it says the spirit that we have received, that spirit that issues from the Father comes to us, is within us. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves or servants so that you live in fear again, but rather the spirit 
you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry Abba Father that that spirit of love that's within us will cause us to respond to that embrace in a way that we will feel led in a response you may not be very good at receiving love maybe you're a little bit careful in life about how you respond when someone's out there with you maybe you're a little guarded in life but I want to tell you you're all it's okay it's okay because the Holy Spirit is going to help you. He's going to help you respond in a way that opens up. Maybe your relationship with your father was not one where you would even call him daddy. It was more father. Maybe, maybe there's stuff there, but man, the Holy Spirit, his work in our life is he will help us respond that we would say daddy, that we would respond appropriately. He softens our heart. He, he teaches us how to respond to the very thing that we're invited into. You know, when you first step into church and you see people just being all like lovey-dovey with Jesus, it can be a little bit like, okay. Because like, like, I don't feel very comfortable being like that. Maybe. Maybe that's how it is. And like you got these people and they're just all like, ah, Jesus. And you're like, ah. But I want to tell you, that's okay. Because God's, man, God's just, he, he takes you where you're at. He loves you how you are. And he, you don't have to be something for God to suddenly love you more. He just loves you right where you are. But over time, I found that being with Jesus, he helps you loosen up a bit. He just helps you. He doesn't make you something you're not. But man, how you are, he helps you respond in a way that, that, that can love Jesus. It's not like you've got to like emulate what everyone else is doing. It's something genuine, authentic. And it's the work of the Spirit in your life. And so sometimes then you, one day you can even end up in church and next second you go, oh, I just, my hand, I'm lifting my hands. Wow, because I just feel like it's natural. I feel like I can. I feel more relaxed. I don't feel as uptight in God's presence anymore. Because we're adopted in. To his family and so sometimes when we've been in situations that feel so so far from the heart of father god it's like we're adopted we don't know quite how to loosen up yet with god but it's okay because his love is consistent his love is never failing man you can be secure in it and he just brings you along on the journey anyway but i digress <laughs> james chapter 1 verse 17 one of my favorite scriptures in the bible Every good and perfect gift is from above. Everything good, man, it issues it comes from God the Father. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. He's consistent with what he emanates. He's consistent. His glory is magnificence that takes form and articulation here on earth. So how does this heavenly reality inform the way we do family? How does it inform, even for the dads here today, how we father the first thing I want to say is that there is a yes in the heart of God for us today. You know, some yeses are like, yes, dear. Please slow down. Yes, dear. Uh, will you go take out the trash? Yes, dear. It's a yes. But that's not the yes that I'm talking about. I don't know, if for those of you who are Trailblazers fans here, uh, I'm a big Trailblazers fan, so I can relate to this. But uh, it seems that the Trailblazers never win by much. They always win just. And it's always Dame Lillard with like 0.1 of a second left. And the ball goes in and we all like go, yes! <laughs> it's a big moment. And it's like, yes, that's the yes I'm talking about. Because God is yes over your existence. God is yes and affirming of your existence and your value. Not like a yes, dear, but like, yes! There's a yes. God is, 
God's enthusiasm for our life is so much that it says that his thoughts for us are more than the sand. It's like, like even if a mother was to forget her baby or a, or a woman, the child within her, her, her womb, he never forgets us. The Bible says it's like our name is written on the palm of his hand. He rejoices over us with singing, which means he writes love songs about us. Man, God's um, detail around us is so well formed. His affirming of our existence and value. I was 27 years old when I received a phone call at the church I was employed at that would prove to be a very significant phone call. I remember I was about to go into a staff meeting, but I took the call on the fly after it was patched in by the front receptionist. The gentleman on the other end of the line introduced himself and I immediately recognised the name as being that of my father, a man who I'd never actually met but I was aware of through my life, in my life by people with whom we had occasional common connection. So growing up prior to 27, I didn't have a flesh and blood father in my life who was able to model the yes of God to me. And I'm aware today, not only for people, is sometimes they're in absence of that uh, godly father figure in their life, but sometimes perhaps even more tragically, the father they have does not communicate functionally in wholeness the yes of our heavenly father towards us despite being in our lives and so growing up I had a godly mother who realizing that I would grow up without a natural dad around would pray and ask the Lord that he would father me in a way that the scriptures speak of in Psalm 68 verse 5 when it says a father to the fatherless is God in his holy habitation so from my youngest years, my mom encouraged me to approach God as my heavenly father, just as a little three, four-year-old. And I did so. And I found rather than being dismissed or pushed away by God, I found myself embraced and affirmed into this fathering presence. I found that God every day would father me through the presence of his Holy Spirit as I would worship him, often for hours at a time. And he would open opportunity for me in life that I could feel his providential hand upon. He would make a way for me in life. I'd often get that one in a thousand chance and it seemed to happen consistently. And within the church, God would provide strong male role models and mentors that would actively speak God's shaping of uh, my life. And concurrently, there was another reality while that was going on. My mom would speak to, uh, and seek to teach me the way that the world worked. So it was my mom who taught me about life and that I needed to be respectful, have good manners and present well. And as I grew up and started to make my way in life on my own, I learned that if one sought to work harder than everybody else, and if you seek to be excellent and to be more generous than everyone else and to achieve more than people's expectations, people would think you're a stand-up guy. And I found that by seeking to contribute more than you owed and setting myself to endeavour, it had an impact on people that they liked having me within spaces that it seemed to be desirable to be within, spaces that contained opportunity for success. So without knowing it, I'd actually become very driven in life with mentality of working hard for approval that over time bled into actually how I now approached my heavenly father. 
this drivenness, uh, desire to succeed and, and desire to show people I was awesome by the way I would try and seek to overachieve, um, this overemphasis on attempting to control what people thought of me was to continue into my early 20s and 30s. It affected my marriage. It affected my relationships. It affected my relationship with God. And it took years and years and years for God to break it down through his unconditional love and acceptance. You know, I described a few moments ago God's unconditional love for us, his yes towards us, which is unconditional. And probably my biggest insight into God's heart of yes that he has for us would actually happen when my firstborn son came along. My firstborn child was born. And I was like, oh, hello. And uh, it was a big moment for us. I went to the prenatal classes. You heard a story about that last week. <laughs> it was a bit of a moment. And uh, my son was born. Uh, David, could we show, uh, show that video just quickly? Uh, I have a little video here. Here's my son. My son, Boaz. Look at him. Oh, he's all crinkled up. Well cooked. He's got blood and guts all over him. Look at him. Oh, so proud. It's like the best moment. He's just his oh, little, little hands. Look at his little hands. Oh, there you go. I, I just want to be all in his face. I was like, I was such a proud dad. All right, thanks, David. Thank you. Oh, it was such a big moment. I was like, ah! And I remember, like, holding this little kid in my hands. And there was something in my heart towards him that I suddenly became conscious of that was very yes towards this little kid. There was a yes in me towards this kid that wasn't based on whether he'd been a good boy or not. It wasn't based on whether he'd been well behaved. He'd never won like a running race or done anything particularly impressive. <laughs> but there he was in my hands and, and I held him and this little bunch, and there was a yes and I became conscious that the yes of God was seeking to display it through, through me to this kid and that I was a natural father of God's heavenly fathering for this child because fathering originates from God. And that he was here to help me. And there was a yes in this little crinkle, you know, blood and guts everywhere. Just look at him. And there was a yes in me. And that there was, it's called favour. It's called the yes of God. It's called the favour of God. And we enjoy it. Not on the basis of whether you've ever run a 100 metre running race or done anything really clever. It's not on the basis of that that you have God's yes. It's not on that that he affirms value. It's not on that basis. So you may have never done anything particularly fancy, but God's yes is towards you. Man, his yes is towards you, not on the basis of what you've done, but on the basis of what Jesus has done. That Jesus did everything and that the way God the Father feels about his son Jesus is how God feels about me. And I get to walk in the favour of Jesus. That God the Father loves His Son Jesus and, and by extension, He feels exactly the same about me. I walk in that favour and I can't be better or more deserving because Jesus is the deserving one. I just get to enjoy it. We have favour. The favour. And, 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 and it was bit by bit as I started to sort of hold my kid and started to get to know him and, and allow God's love that I could see by contrast how I was towards my son that was 
the conversations I'm having of heart towards my son were so far removed from what I was trying to earn from God. And so, yeah. And so I, I found that God's favour towards me is, is towards me irrespective of my performance. That's not to say that, I can, uh, that, that God doesn't desire that I would mature because God doesn't ha- I don't. My son is 13 now. I have not yet handed him the keys to the car. It's not relationally appropriate. It's not maturity appropriate. He's too young, right? He's just too young. And so, um, so but that's not because I love him less. It's not because I love him less. I love him just the same because he's a 13-year-old and I'm encouraging him along the way. So as sons and daughters, God is yes about the dreams he's placed in our hearts. He's yes towards your existence, your value towards him. Man, Jesus paid the price on, on Calvary. We are so valuable to God. I never have to, even when life yells lack of value at you, man, God's value of us is so strong on the basis of what Jesus died on the cross of Calvary and paid the price for us to, man, I, I always can see Jesus. There he is on the cross of Calvary and I'm valuable because of that and I enjoy the favour of Father God. In, our, in my fathering, that's helped inform my fathering because sometimes we're unsure, look, look, how do I father? Well, that's a good place to start from. <laughs> that's a good place to start from. And sometimes my son's been really spectacular and sometimes my son's been spectacularly bad. He has autism. Sometimes he's naughty and, uh, and, uh, and sometimes he's been so bad, uh, you know, uh, I've had him removed from a school three times because, um, yeah, he just, uh, he has autism and he was struggling to behave. And I remember the first thing I said to my son when he came home is, son, I will love you on your best state. I will love you on your worst state. My love for you is not, irres- is not based on your performance here today. And I want you to know, now let's talk about your behavior. <laughs> but I always preceded it with, I love you the same on your best day as I do on your worst day. I love you the same. And you need to know that. Now let's talk about your behavior. (laughs) Yeah. I've got one more photo too. Uh, Can we show that photo, David? Appreciate the tech team. Oh, look at the foot. Look at the foot. Look at the big toe. Look at the big toe. Like some of you are like, what the heck is that? Is that even a foot? That's his foot. Check out the foot. Man, look at that. Look at that big toe. Now, some, some people might be, check out the toe. <laughs> check out the toe. But you, know, I, well, you know why I love the toe? Do you know why I love that big toe? Here's why I love the toe. <laughs> check out the toe. He's got his dad's big toe. He's got his dad's toe. You know, you're going to have to hold, you have to chat amongst yourselves while I get my shoe back on. Just had a ch- <laughs> All right, all right, all right. He's got his dad's big toe. He's got his dad's big toe. I was like, ah, I recognize the toe. My daughter has sort of the same toe. <laughs> I don't show that one. I don't want to hurt her. 
but my son has that toe. You know, um, so people can say anything they want about my son. Your son, you've used the F word at school. Your son's bad. Your son's this. It doesn't matter. He's got his dad's big toe. He's got my big toe. He's got my toe. So people can try and throw or slander him or, or try and do anything. It don't matter. He's got my toe. And to me, it's way more important to me. He's got my toe. He's my son. And I want to tell you, the Bible says that we're made in the image and likeness of God. That when God looks at you, you're part of his family. You have his big toe. When God sees you, man, it's not like, who are you? Like you are some randomly connected to this dynamic. How? No. When he looks at you, he sees his DNA all over your life. Man, he dreamt you up. He, man, there's something about you that is godlike. There's something about you that when the devil looks at you, he drives him crazy because you remind him of your heavenly father. And so, man, I tell you, he tries to slander you. He tries to throw so thoughts of condemnation and all who you aren't because of your performance. You know, as a parent, I've always tried to not help the devil with that. So I never make statements that you are this or you are that. I say, son, I'm disappointed in your behavior. You're so much better than that. You're so much better than that. And I'm disappointed that your behavior has not matched who I know you to be. And so I'm very careful not to let, help the enemy in his slander of my son or my daughter. And so, you know, we have our father's big toe. Always remember that, that big old toe. You're never going to forget that big toe now. It's, it's etched in your mind. The toe. You have your father's big toe. There's something about you that's just spectacular. And it's that you have got your heavenly father's DNA. Because we have Jesus' spiritual DNA, we're sons and daughters of the most high God. Nothing can separate us from his love. He calls us his own. There's this uh, story in the Bible. It's that of the prodigal son. And you may remember the prodigal son was one who had everything that, that he lived with his father. He had a good father, but he walked away. And it says that one day he, he, came, to, he came to his right mind and, and he came back. And he came back and he started walking down the road back towards his, his father. And he's like, man, I, I, I've fallen so far below the, the estate set to, for me. I, I, I have fallen so far below that. I'm not even worthy to be called son or daughter. And, and, he, and, 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 and that, was his, that was his way of thinking. It says as he came down. Now it says of the father, he was looking. I just imagine him on the veranda, you know, looking down the road. And, and then he sees his son. And it says that when he sees his son, he takes off running. He doesn't even use the gate. He goes clean over the fence, lands, stacks it clean on his head. He doesn't care. He's running off over his head. It says he throws himself around the son and embraces him and hugs him. And there's something in the heart of the father for us that even when we feel like we're a long ways away, but when we come back, man, the, the heavenly father is yes towards us. I love to. Ha I, I love... I love that as families, we get to describe this in how we do family and that we get to speak of it in the way we do family. 
Because the truth is that we are raising excellent sons and daughters. We are raising children that we have expectation that they rise up to be all that God calls them to be. But we need to also clearly have families where the unconditional aspect of God's love towards us is felt and known. And that safety and security is expressed. Even if we didn't get it, I want to tell you it's okay. Because I didn't meet my dad. And when I did finally meet my dad, um, he wasn't that good at it. He's better than his dad. His dad was a really abusive alcoholic. But he wasn't good at, like, his way of trying to love me was he'd give me a pen. Here, have a pen. And I knew he really was trying to say, I love you. I was like, thanks for the pen. Thanks, Dad. Um, But, you know, if I was in that situation, I'd be all over me. You know, know, I don't know. (laughs) So sometimes the redemptive story of God is generational because I'm funny all my dad's kids all the boys they're all pretty good dads but it took a few generations so we have the opportunity as fathers we have the opportunity as parents to uh to express heaven to express the dynamic and the culture of God's family not only in our natural family but also in our spiritual family because a spiritual family for many people is the closest thing to a, even a natural family that they have. And in my situation, because I was very close within the house of God growing up, I got to enjoy God's heavenly fathering of my life, often through guys, some of you in this room, dudes that looked like you. And they were always, Seth, they would affirm me, Seth, you're doing great. Seth, you're awesome. Seth, pay your bills on time. <laughs> Seth, your coat hangers, what are they doing? They're all over, put them in a row, mate. Like, like they're just natural stuff. That like, and that's how God got me where I, you know. No one bought me my first car. But man, I was taught how to budget to save for one. You know, and I, so I just think, you know, that, that we have an opportunity as the church where there's so much brokenness all around us. We have a chance to embrace people. We have a chance to affirm people. We have a ch- chance to say, hey, We have an expectation that you would uh, be all that God calls you to be. But even on your best day, even on your worst day, we love you. God, I thank you for every person here. I thank you that you love them. And if they're here today, and God, they feel a long way from being loved on the basis of your unconditional love. I just pray right now, Lord, that you would come around them by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would come around people right now. God, that they would know that they are favoured, that you smile towards them. Your, 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 your face is not one of anger, but one of love. Lord God, you're not an angry father. You're a loving father who affirms and loves us. I thank you for your favour. I thank you for your smile that we enjoy. I thank you. You're an opportunity, God. And Lord God, that opportunity is afforded to us on the basis of what Jesus has done. For any person here that's not really walked in that reality before, but today I thank you is a new day for them. Lord God, that they can let go of all that trying to perform and try and measure up and let it go. And know, Lord God, that they can never measure up. It's Jesus who measures up. And I get to enjoy your, your, the favor of God based on Jesus' performance. Lord, I'm just thanking for people stepping into that reality today. For people, Lord God, that Lord have felt, Lord God, sometimes in their own insecurity or maybe they've maybe parented in a way that doesn't always communicate that well. I thank you as parents, Lord God, we have opportunity to afford that to our children. Lord, I thank you for every parent here, that you are, Lord God, that they would walk in your ever unfolding blessing as parents. 
I thank you, Lord, that you, Father, and you, Mother, Lord, through these incredible individuals, I thank you for strong families here today. In Jesus' mighty name. One final thing. There is no accusation that the devil can throw against you. That matters more to to, to him than you're his son, you're his daughter. And that Jesus took the price of every accusation that's ever been thrown against you. Perhaps you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. The Bible says that Jesus 2,000 years ago was allowed himself to be hung on a tree and he took the full punishment and payment for everything that stops us from being able to be a son or daughter of God. He took it all upon himself and he took the punishment of all our sins and all the things, all our inner selfishness, all the stuff. He took it upon himself that we, if we would receive that gift of what he did, say, Jesus, I accept what you did was full and complete payment. I accept that today. I make you my saviour. You, you saved me by doing that. That's called making him your saviour. And if you would say this, Jesus, I lay down my life. I lay down my rights. I lay down my identity. And I receive your life. I receive your rights. I receive your identity in return. The Bible says that's called making him your Lord. And, and it's like my life, I no longer live my life, but now I've got your life. And so from this day forward, whatever whatever you want, that's what I want. Whatever you, you have for me, that's what I'm going to walk in from this day forward. That's called making Him your Lord and your Saviour. If you know you need to do that today, where well, every eye is closed and every head is bowed. God, if there's people here that need to make that need to pray a prayer saying, Jesus, I make you my Lord, I make you my Saviour today. Well, every eye is closed, every head is bowed. If that's you, just raise your hand to God and say, God, that's me today. I pray that prayer. I need that. I need to walk in the reality of that. I've become removed from that or I just haven't known that. But if that's you here today and you want to know that you're firmly within the embrace, maybe you don't feel within the embrace of Father God, but you want to know that you're within His embrace today. See, anyone here that says, God, that's me. Would you repeat this prayer after me? me? Dear Heavenly Father, All together, dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary as full and complete payment for everything that keeps me from you. Jesus, you are my Savior. You are my Lord. I lay down my life and I receive your life in return. I lay down my rights. I lay down my identity and I receive your rights and I receive your identity in return. Lead me this day and from this day forth in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.